Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Psalm chapter 125, the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of your Bible, and then turn to chapter 125. And what a wonderful uh, prelude song that was that uh, Katie shared with us. As we look at Psalm 125, it's on page 441 in your church Bibles. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word as your own and you uh, want to take uh, the Navy Blue Bible, just take it and put your name in it and it's our gift to you. I'm going to be reading Psalm 125. It's in uh, 441 of your church Bibles. It's also on the screen. Psalm 125, a song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people, both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with evildoers, Peace be upon Israel. This is God's word. Well, Daniel Gilbert um, is a psychologist at Harvard University. He's written some books. I think his most popular book uh, to date is a book called Stumbling Onto Happiness. And Daniel Gilbert says that to these days, Americans are smiling less and worrying more their happiness is down, their sadness is up, uh, we're sleeping less, smoking more, and depression is on the rise. Gilbert says that the real problem these days is not financial, not having enough money. Gilbert says that it's something else, and that something else is uncertainty. Uncertainty. People just don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, am I, am I going to get my job at the end of the semester? Will I get my job this next week? What's ahead in the future for me? And Daniel Gilbert points to this experiment uh, where some subjects were gathered in one group, and these uh, individuals were told that they would be intensely shocked 20 times. I don't know why anybody would want to sign up for that kind of experiment. That's a research project in itself. That said, that was group A. In group B, the researchers told uh, the second group that they too would receive a total of 20 shocks. 17 of them would be mild. Three of them would be very strong, but they wouldn't know when the strong shocks would come. And the results... The second group sweated more and experienced faster heart rates than the first group. And why? Because of uncertainty. Their uncertainty caused their discomfort and their unhappiness. They just didn't know when the the pain would come next. And Daniel Gilbert summarized. He said, an uncertain future leaves us stranded in an unhappy present with nothing to do but wait. Our national gloom is real enough But it isn't a matter of insufficient funds. It's a matter 
of insufficient certainty. Well, our psalm today is all about certainty, isn't it? Psalm 125 is a song, a song of certainty and hope and assurance because of who God is, because of what God has done. And the psalmist has has been gripped by the certainty of the big truth in these five verses, and it's this. There is one and only one person worthy of my life's trust, the Lord. That's it. That's the message of this psalm. There's, there, there is one and only, there's one and only one person who can offer certainty, security, peace, and confidence, the Lord. There is one and only one who offers reassurance and rest. Psalm 125 says, the Lord, the Lord. You see, these these verses, this psalm is trying to tell us something about what it means to, to fear the Lord. We've been in this series here for the past few weeks on Fear and and what fear looks like and what we're learning here uh, in this series is is not so much that that the fear of the Lord, to fear God, is not not so much a cowering emotion that God wants us to feel as much as it is a life skill that God wants us to develop. It's something taught. The fear of the Lord is not this trembling, quivering, quaking sort of cowardly lion relationship with the almighty wizard of Oz. No, no, no. It's a life of certainty. It's a life of rest. What this psalm teaches us here, church family, is that that Christianity is not some tightrope walk in some circus act where one by one we, we walk this high wire before a breathless cloud, some of whom have a maniacal pleasure of hoping that we might take a fall. Psalm 125 says, we're not on a high wire, we're in a fortress. We're secure. And the psalmist speaks of the city in its heart, in his heart, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, a walled city set on a hill. Now, we don't know anything about walled cities. We live in the flat plains. Our idea of the city wall is a sign that says, Welcome to Champagne. That's it. That's our wall. Oh, but back then they had walls. They had walls. Why? Because it was an ugly world. Cities got invaded, raided. Marauders were out there. And so Jerusalem, this walled city set on a hill, surrounded by hills. You see, its security is three deep. City wall, the hill upon which it's set, and then the other hills that surrounded this hill. No wonder verse 2 literally reads, the sentence literally begins, Jerusalem. As the mountains are around it, so the Lord is around his people, both now and forevermore. Oh my. See, what's significant about this declaration is that, is that God's people are, 
on a pilgrimage to the very city that reminds them of God's security. Um, did you see that uh, phrase there in Psalm 125? It says, a song of ascents. You see that? It's, it's there in Psalm 124 and Psalm 126 and Psalm 127. There's a, there's a group of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And these psalms were thought to have been sung by God's people as they made their pilgrimage to the city of Jerusalem three times a year to worship as a family, as a community, three times a year to celebrate their three major Hebrew holidays, the Passover feast, the, the feast of first fruits when the, when the crops would first begin to ripen and then the, the final harvest three times a year. Three times a year, Exodus 23, 17 says that all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. So the, the, the entire nation is to just gather in one place. Well, now, if that happens, who's going to guard the border? Who's going to kind of be in charge of the military if, if everybody comes to Jerusalem? What about the economy? I mean, well, what's going to happen there? You see, who's going to... You know, who's going to man NORAD if we're all in Jerusalem, you see? And that's the point. No one. We are going to have to trust in the one and only one person who is secure. And the psalmist has concluded, that's the Lord. And so they're singing. Look at these mountains. These hills that surround the city of Jerusalem. And, and then look at the hill upon which Jerusalem sits. And, and now look at the walls that surround the city. My goodness, this level of certainty and security is ours because of who God is. We're, we're certain that we are secure because our security is in the Lord. There is a God who is above the hills, over the hills, who made the hills, and is guarding his people. Which is why another psalm of ascent begins, Psalm 121, verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills, and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And this worshiping community, these people, the singers of Psalm 125, they have learned to love one of the most beautiful truths that human beings can ever learn about themselves, and it's this. God made us to depend on him. Did you know that? God made you to depend on him. He created you to trust him, to lean on him, to rest in him. God made you that way. You've been wired to lean on and depend and trust and find your security and identity and hope in the Lord. And Satan has been trying to deceive God's people of that truth ever since the Garden of Eden. He's been attacking this truth. In the garden, Satan said to Adam and Eve, you don't need God. You can be like God. You can be autonomous. You, you're an independent human who should have the right to do with your life whatever it is you want to do with your life. You shouldn't have to answer to God. You're self-sufficient. You have everything within yourself to be what you're supposed to be, so be free. 
And those who have bought into that lie have found out that they're not free, they're enslaved. But God's people know better. And that's why verse 1 begins, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Those who trust, that word trust is the, the strongest Hebrew word for finding security and finding confidence and reliance upon the Lord. True believers are all in regarding the Lord. Now, I don't know what your retirement fund looks like. My retirement has dozens of funds to choose in which I can invest my pennies so that I can minimize risk and maximize return. Okay? Minimize risk, maximize return. Pick all of these funds. Some of them are aggressive. Some of them are conservative. And I just, you know, you know what? Verses 1 and 2 say there's only one fund. There's just one. In the Lord. In the Lord. And, and so no one needs to convince these worshipers. They trust God. They're all in. They're all in. Are you? Are you all in? Well, what do you think led them to this truth? You know, why, why have they bought into this truth of trusting and resting in the Lord? What, what was it? it? It just makes me think. What, okay, what, what has happened to them that they would come to this conclusion? Did they just get back from church camp? Is that it? They just got back from church. They're just... You know, their, their spiritual fires have been stoked and they just had a great inspirational week at church camp and they, you know, they're able to get away. Did they, did, did, they, did they come back from this sizzling Christian seminar? You know, that's it. Maybe they just graduated from seminary. Yeah, that's it. They just kind of been around, you know, just God's people and God's word and, and then singing and, and it just, it's just wonderful. And now, now their confidence has just kind of been, been stoked and they're on fire. And now they're ready to, 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 to face this great, dull, dreary storms of common world. Come on, is that it? Not really. Not really. You know where they've been? You know where they are? Look at verse 3. Verse 3 tells us. The scepter of the wicked will not remain. What does that mean? Well, the scepter of the scepter of the wicked. The scepter of the wicked is a phrase, is a metaphor that describes an oppressive governmental power, most likely non-Jewish. In other words, the psalmist is speaking of uh, uh, a power that came to occupy the land of Israel, probably the Babylonian Empire is who we're talking about there. And they've come in. We, we, don't know, we don't know what it's like to have an... We do, not, we do not know what it's like to have a superpower come and occupy us. We are the superpower. We don't, but Israel could say, well, we, they've got this oppressive power in their lives. And, the sep, and, and it's not a good power. See, The scepter of the wicked will not remain. God says, it's happening right now. It's there, but it won't remain. And, and why won't it remain? Well, because everybody has a breaking point. Everybody. 
And so the psalmist is saying that God will not allow wickedness and evil to remain to the degree that it overwhelms me, which is why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You see what's going on here? God's people in Psalm 125 are not naive to the pressures and fears and stresses and anxieties of life. They're not just whistling in the dark trying to pretend that these pressures are just, you know, not real. Of course they're real. Those who sang Psalm 125 knew the tragedy of invasion and sickness, and they did not have the luxuries of medicines and x-rays and anesthesia that we have today, and their nation was not nearly as wealthy as ours. Yet they sing, and why? Well, not because there's nothing to fear but because in a world of fear and uncertainty, they have found the only secure place, the only certain place, and his name is the Lord. There is one and only one person worthy of my life's trust, the Lord. The Lord. You know, sometimes we wonder if God is really in control. Why does he let the scepter of the wicked swing back and forth over the lives of people? You know, slashing and cutting and killing and causing untold suffering. Why? You know, if God is good and loving and powerful, why is there so much evil in our world? And that's, that's a fair question. And here's another fair question. Could it be that the God who is over the hills and above the hills and almighty and all-powerful, could it be that this God is using the scepter of the wicked to show his people that the only source of rest and certainty is in him? Could it be? Verse 3 prompts the question, Where am I being tempted to seek rest in places that can never offer rest? Huh? When, you know, the scepter of evil shows up. Evil shows up and I run for cover. Where do I go? What cities do I want to flee to? How many of us, how many of us have attached our source of significance to an uncertain city? Uh, Cities like Careerville, Trophy Childrenville, Marriageville, Good Looksville, Knowledgeville, Moneyville. I, I have glued my well-being to physical and material health. I, I've staked my identity on things, some good things, mind you. But things that just are not secure and certain. And so I go there, and I go there because I want to seek shelter there, to be a resident there. But truth be told, whenever I go to one of these pseudo-secure cities, I don't go to those cities to be a resident of those cities. Truth be told, I go to those cities because I want to be mayor. I want to be in charge. I want to be the mayor of, of I want to be the mayor of Handsomeville. 
No? I do. And so I go there for refuge. Because I want to rule there. But the tragedy is that once I get there and unpack my bags, move into that house, that palace, you know what happens? That palace quickly becomes a prison. It becomes a prison. And, and I, have, I have sought refuge there to rule there. But then I find out that those spineless cities end up ruling me and then disappointing me. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. And uh, an author and pastor by the name of Paul David Tripp just taught me so much on this. The problem, according to Paul Tripp, is this. When these little cities command you, when they command you, you will tend to judge God's faithfulness, not by whether he has been true to his promises, but by whether he has given you the things that you have set your hearts on in your puny little city. By the way, one of those spineless cities is called Emotionsville. Now, church, my emotions get me up in the morning. My emotions bring passion to this pulpit. Sometimes my emotions make me want to stay in bed. And my emotions can form a cloud of doubt and depression. Psalm 125 speaks of those who are rock solid. Nothing can move them. Well, but I am moved. I am moved. I'm full of faith one day, filled with doubt the next. And and one morning I'm full of vitality. And and one day I'm just, I'm gray and dismal. I'm like Israel's yo-yo history. Up one day, down the next. One day I'm singing songs of victory. And the next day I'm grumbling because I don't have my Egyptian steak and potatoes. In his book over the Psalms of Ascent, an author and pastor by the name of Eugene Peterson, uh, the book's name, by the way, is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Eugene Peterson writes, feelings are good, but they, but they tend to tell me nothing about God or my relationship with God. My security comes from who God is, not from my feelings about him. We are secure not because we are sure of ourselves, but because we know that God is sure of us. So my trust is in the Lord. My trust is not in my spiritual gifts. My trust is not in my church attendance. It's not in my, my, my moods. It's not in my pastor. It's not in my doctor. It's not in my economy. It's not in my government. It is in the Lord. In the Lord. And, that, and I need to hear that. Here's why I need to hear that. In my job... No matter how my week's been, every seven days, I need to stand up here and say, Christ is risen. Right? (laughs) Every seven days. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how my week's been. Good, bad, pretty, ugly. Christ is risen. Now, there's only two, there's only two responses, there's only two paths there. The one is is to say, well, Christ is risen in a real plastic, pastoral kind of phony way, and just kind of uh, try to assure people, try to convince people that you believe it, but deep down you really don't. And that's a miserable way to live. But the other path is, is, no, I mean, he really is risen. 
And this life is not all there is. And he rose from death never to die again. And we are all on a pilgrimage. And there is a destination. We are a people of destiny. And that destiny is going to far outweigh and outlast anything that's going on here. And it doesn't mean that the struggles that we have aren't real or happening. No, it just puts them in their place. Church family, this much is certain. Christ is risen. That word Lord in Psalm 125 is is the strongest word for God, Yahweh, Yahweh. Those who trust in Yahweh do good, O Yahweh, verse 4, to those who are good, Yahweh. Do you know the name Jesus is... Greek, and it's derived from the Hebrew word Joshua or Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. And that's why we trust in him as our total security. And, 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 and what does such trust look like? What does it look like to trust in the Lord? Randy keeps saying, trust in the Lord. There's only one who is worthy of my life's trust. What does that trust look like? Well, it looks like a few skills. Uh, First, it looks like worship. It looks like this. That's what they're doing, worship. They're going, not just worshiping, not just making much of God, but they're going in community. We're not meant to do this by ourselves. They're taking this trip together. They're going in community to make much of God. And it also looks like prayer. Community worship, community prayer. The expression of trust through prayer, which is what verses 4 and 5 are. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn crooked ways, the Lord will banish with evildoers. This prayer in verses 4 and 5, it's really a prayer of endurance, that, that God's people endure even when the scepter of the wicked is in their lives. And this prayer teaches the path of peace because it's telling God's people to take your anxieties and your fears and your worries to the Lord. And as Paul says in Philippians, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, see the promise is not that God will immediately you beam me out of this restless world, but that in this restless world, I will have his rest on my life. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have told you thing, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He didn't say may. You will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And that's why this psalm can conclude with peace be upon 
Israel. Because Israel's Savior, our Savior, has overcome the world. Yeah, I suppose if I were to summarize this chapter with one verse, I would lead us to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. The Hebrew writer says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Now, what does the word fear mean in that verse? Well, it means make sure you get to the right city. That's what it means. It means take care. There's there's only one certain city. All the other pseudo-spineless cities will lead to nowhere. Make sure you get to the right city. And, And that city is Jerusalem, the symbol for God's security, God's very presence. At at, at the end of the journey, God's people learned. At the end of the journey, God's people learned. With, With the mountains surrounding the mountain upon which the walled city of Jerusalem stood, secure, formidable, perpetual, once God's people got inside that city, they realized that they were secure because of what God did outside the city. Hebrews 11, verse 12 says, And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. At the cross, outside the city, Jesus Christ, Yahweh saves, suffered for me so that I can be secure in him. And he endured to the point of death as my substitute. He endured the scepter of evil in my life. Oh yes, the scepter of evil shows up in my life. And it was for my scepter of evil that he gave his life. And his promise is that if I trust him and depend on him and lean on him and derive my identity and significance from him, I am securely entrenched in his kingdom. And church family, when you are securely entrenched in God's kingdom, you don't have to survive this world. Because you belong to another. Well, there's a movie out that may get an Oscar this year. It's called The King's Speech. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's about the life of King George VI. He was the father of Queen Elizabeth. And it's a movie about how he overcame his stammering to speak leadership and encouragement when England's future was uncertain. Uh, The movie does not show this particular event that I'm going to tell you about. but, um, But in the annual King's Christmas message of 1939, King George VI addressed uh, the British Empire. And in 1939, there was an air of uncertainty throughout the world with the rise of Nazi. And in that air of uncertainty, the king, the king spoke the message 
of Psalm 125. And he spoke these words. I said to the man at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I might walk safely into the unknown. And he said to me, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God, and it shall be to you safer than the light and better than the known. Amen.